Amen, amen. Well, what an awesome night it's been so far. Good evening. Uh, my name is Joseph Tucker. I'm one of the pastors at, at Red Oak Church, and uh, I'm just super thankful um, that we're even here and we're even doing this event. It's super kind and generous of Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters to um, allow us to use their facilities for our, uh, our first fall festival. Um, I was talking with somebody uh, earlier, and I was like, this is the best fall festival we've ever done. Because it's the only fall festival we've ever done, right? It's the first annual, and we're hoping to do, do more, and, and so it's been pretty awesome. Uh, so thank you for coming out. Um, if you don't know anything about Red Oak, at Red Oak, uh, we love to preach through books of the Bible. Uh, so last Sunday, we finished a study through Second Peter, and, uh, and then this coming Sunday, um, we will be starting a study through the book of Genesis, uh, and so we would love for you to come back and join us for that. Um, we won't be meeting here, but um, all the information about Red Oak is, is underneath the white tent. Uh, we meet at 5 p.m. at 75 May Johnson Way here in Andrews. And so um, we're super excited about walking through the book of Genesis together as a church body. Um, but tonight, uh, because of this cool event, we get to have a standalone message. And uh, it's going to be um, coming out of 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, so if you have your Bibles um, or a device uh, with the Bible on it, you can open up the 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to learn that the gospel is central to life because it transcends death. And we're going to celebrate um, the gospel tonight. And, and one thing that, that I know to be true about us human beings is we love to celebrate um, life when it comes to spring and summer. Right? And, and, and so we see vibrancy and all this different stuff. Um, but then, like... Is it, do we have people who, is your summer your favorite time of the season? Some people? Only a few. What about fall? A lot of people, right? Like fall's my favorite time of the year. And haven't the leaves been absolutely gorgeous this year, right? Super incredible. They've been awesome. And I always thought it was strange. At one point in time in my life, I lived in Boone. And, uh, and we had seasons where we would have, we called them leaf watchers. And people would drive from all over the United States to come look, drive along the Blue Ridge Parkway and look at the leaves and just stare at the leaves. And I was like, as a, as a person who lived in Boone, I was like, this is the strangest thing to me. Like they're coming to look at something that's dying and, and just be in awe of it, you know. But the reality is like that those leaves are, are dying and they're going to fall off, right. But God gave us seasons as a reminder, yet again, that our time here on this earth is brief, Right? The reality is that death is a common denominator for every single one of us. We will all one day die. Now, we don't know when that will happen, right? Like it could be in five hours or it could be in 50 years. Either way, we're all going to face death. And so that's something that we have to deal with, right? It's an ever-present reality. Even if we don't like talking about it, we don't like thinking about it, we got to deal with it. So everybody is facing death. So how do we deal with it? And I think it's, it's something we're going to see tonight in a few different passages. But uh, Romans 5.12 says, Just as sin came into the world through one man, death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. So we know death came into the world because of sin. But as followers of Jesus, we have good news about death. And that's what we're going to see Paul is teaching in this chapter tonight. So if you have your Bibles, I hope you're, you've turned there. 1 Corinthians 15. Let's pray before we read God's word. Father God, we thank you so much for this incredible opportunity that you've given us, that you sovereignly have brought every person into this room here tonight, and that we are here ready to hear from your word. We don't need to hear what I have to say or anybody else has to say. We need to hear from you. 
We need to hear your word. We need the truths that are contained therein to pierce our hearts. And so we ask you, Holy Spirit, to speak to us. We ask you to to grant eyes and ears to, to see and hear what you want us to see and hear. We ask for you to do what only you can do. Grant repentance and and faith and conviction and encouragement in the room like only you can tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 1 Corinthians 15, we're going to start in verse 1. It says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. They've died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is within me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. So it's important to know that Paul... The Apostle Paul is writing this letter to believers, followers of Jesus who are in the city of Corinth. He's reminding them of the gospel that he has already preached. That while they were dead and disobedient and rebellious sinners, God had mercy on them because of his love. He sent Jesus to live the life they could never live, to die the death they deserved to die. And Jesus defeated the power of sin and death by coming back to life. And he is alive today. And that's the resurrection. All of Christianity hinges on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There would be no Christianity, there would be no Christians if it wasn't for the resurrection of Jesus, that Jesus is alive today, and that's the hope that Paul is talking about in this chapter. And so we know that the resurrection of Jesus is a bodily historical reality that Paul's reminding people of, and he's saying, guess what, I'm an eyewitness to this. I saw Jesus with my own eyes. He appeared to me. He's also appeared to 500 other people also, and he talked with us, he ate with us, and he's really alive physically bodily rose from the grave. And so this gospel, Paul is saying, has been received. It should be stood in and held onto unless you believed in vain. So that means that you can know the truths about the gospel with your head, but if you haven't received them personally, believed in them, and your heart trusted that Jesus is your personal Lord and Savior, then you're not saved. Just because you attend a church doesn't make you a Christian. I heard somebody say one time, that's like saying, if I go stand in a garage, I'm a car. We know that's not true, right? Just because you go stand in a church and you listen to somebody preach doesn't make you a Christian, right? And so we need to understand that this, this gospel is not something that, that people just get converted by. This gospel is it's, it's something that we should be reminded of every day. It's for believers and unbelievers. It's super important. It's not, it doesn't just begin at the, at the moment of, of conversion where your Christian life, when you receive it, but Paul says it's something that you stand in. So one of the main things that we're going to learn in this passage tonight is that the gospel is central to all of life because it transcends death. It's stronger than death because Jesus is stronger than death. And so you look at verse 3. It says, Paul said that the gospel is of first importance. 
We can never outgrow the gospel. We can never overcome the gospel. We can never get over the gospel. One pastor said, the gospel is not just the diving board off of which we jump into the pool of Christianity. It is the pool itself. It's not the only way that we begin in Christ. It's the way that we grow in Christ. So the gospel is way more than, than just at conversion, the gospel is important. No, the gospel is, what he's saying is the gospel is the pool. It's central to all of life. We should be swimming in the gospel daily. And if you take this illustration a little further, right, so some of you go to, the, go to the pool where the gospel is preached, to the church where the gospel is preached. You sit there, you just sit, you sweat in the heat. You're miserable. You need relief, but you refuse to dive in. And, I, and I, it's pretty silly to just go to the pool and not enjoy the pool, right? To just sit on the side of the pool and bake, and sweat, and not dive in, and be refreshed, and, and enjoy the pool, right? All the while, the gospel's ready, waiting for you to dive in, and enjoy relationship with this living God. All of this talk about the gospel, I think I might have said that word like 25 times. What is the gospel, right? That's super important. What is the gospel? We're going to break it down into three, just three parts. It's explanation, invitation, and application, we all need gospel explanation. We need to hear it and process it with our minds. We need to understand the gospel. The actual word gospel means good news, uh, but you, you can't appreciate good news unless you understand the bad news. Um, so I was meeting with uh, one of my friends who's a dentist uh, a few months ago. We were having coffee and, uh, and just enjoying catching up with each other talking about life, talking about our kids, and our conversation led into talking about the car rider pickup lines at public schools. Uh, maybe some of you are familiar with those, right? And, and that led into, like, talking about the frustrations of car rider pickup lines, and, and, and I was like, bro, I was like, what's wrong with people? Like, why can't people follow simple instructions? And he said, I think it's because people are just selfish, and I was like, I agree, right? I mean, I know I'm really selfish. Like, everybody can be super selfish, but like, there's got to be something more to it than just selfishness. And we started talking about it, and I said, at the core, I think it's rebellion. I think it's rebellion. We don't like to listen to other people. Right? We, we don't like to, to read a sign. I don't want that sign to tell me what to do. Right? We, don't, we don't want other people telling us what to do. We, we, don't, we don't like it when somebody's in charge and they tell us to do something because we want to be in charge. We resent outside authority because we don't like people controlling us or telling us what to do. So, so the best explanation for rebellion when I was talking to my friend that I could think of was, comes from the Bible where God tells us that no one is good. No one. That all people, there's no one good. That no one seeks God. That all people have turned away from God and that no one does good in and of themselves. We all try to live our own way and go our own way and do our own thing. And so we have all rebelled against a holy God. And we, so we've all crossed that boundary we know we shouldn't have crossed. We've all said things or done things or thought things that we know we shouldn't have said or done or thought. Romans 3, 23 says, all people have sinned. And then a few chapters later in 623, it says the penalty of our sin is death. The bad news is that because of our sin, we are all spiritually dead apart from Jesus. We've all been disobedient. We all deserve God's holy and just wrath. And that's a pretty dark picture, 
Right? There, there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. There's absolutely nothing that you or I could do in our own power to get to God, to earn a relationship with God. We are helpless and hopeless apart from Jesus. Now, that's a really dark picture, right? It's pretty depressing. But we didn't come here for bad news. We came here for good news. Well, in verse 3 of our passage, 1 Corinthians 15, it's beautiful. It says, Christ died for our sins. This is the most astonishing five words in this passage. Christ died for our sins. That's good news, right? That's God's love towards you and me. But while we were still sinners, like God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that Christ died for us. Jesus paid for your sins. He paid for my sins. Jesus took your place on the cross. He took my place on the cross where we deserve to die. Jesus stepped in and took our place. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that God made him, Jesus, to be sin, even though he had no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. That is good news. That's the gospel in a nutshell, right? Jesus took all my sin. He took all of your sin, all the sins of the world on himself, and he gave us all of his righteousness. This is the great exchange. This is the gospel, that Christ died for our sins. Now, those five words are God's grace to you. Jesus sacrificed his life for you. And in verse 10, Paul says, it's by the grace of God I am what I am. It's only by the grace of God. It's only by the grace of God that anybody's in this room here tonight. It's by God's grace and his mercy that, that we are breathing right now. So grace is, a, is an interesting word, but it literally means that we get what we don't deserve. Grace is getting something you do not deserve. The Apostle Paul knew all about God's grace. This was a man who arrested and murdered Christians. And God, by his grace, made him into one of the greatest missionaries for Christ that the world has ever seen. So Paul's testimony is a problem for anyone who doesn't believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How does the greatest persecutor of Christ turn into the greatest preacher of Christ? The risen Jesus transformed Paul's life from the inside out. He was never the same after he encountered Jesus, right? Jesus changed absolutely everything about Paul's life. That's why the gospel is central to all of life. And that's why Paul was like, I'm not going to, I don't want to know anything else but Christ crucified and his resurrection. That's the most powerful thing we could possibly ever hear, that human ears could ever hear, that Jesus is alive today. God's grace radically transformed Paul's life. And Paul's life reminds us that God can radically change anybody. You are not too far gone. You are not beyond God's grace. You haven't out God's grace. His grace is always sufficient. And you can't go too far away from him. He's always there. You can't escape him. This gospel, this is a message of grace, something that Paul experienced personally. That's why just understanding facts about the gospel isn't enough for a person to be saved, right? Jesus is a living God who extends an invitation to each of us personally. So gospel um, explanation is important, but gospel invitation, listen to this. These are words from Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary, and I'll give you rest. John 6, 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Like we're about to eat a delicious meal 
some awesome barbecue chicken, a, a ton of bread, potato chips, and that junk is going to be awesome. It's going to be delicious. Praise God for taste buds to enjoy that stuff. But guess what? You're going to be hungry in a few hours after you eat that meal. Jesus is saying, if you come to me and you eat, you will be full for the rest of your life. Fully satisfied. Never hungry again. John 7, 37 says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So Jesus is inviting people to drink deeply and be satisfied. Nothing else in this world will satisfy you. Nothing else that you could put in your body will satisfy you. Only Christ will fully satisfy you. In John 10, 10, Jesus said, the thief the enemy only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. So he doesn't want a mediocre life for you. He wants abundant life, a life to the full, satisfying life. That's what Jesus is offering and he's inviting you into. In Luke 9, 23, Jesus invites you into a discipleship relationship where he says, if you would come after me, if you want to be my disciple, deny yourself, take up your cross, die to yourself, and follow me. That's what a true follower of Jesus does. They deny themselves, they die to themselves daily, and they take up their cross, they, they follow Jesus, they listen to Jesus, they submit to Jesus as Lord and as Savior. So Jesus speaks directly to our hearts in John 14, 6, and he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Right? We live in a culture that screams inclusivity. Jesus is make, making a very exclusive statement right here. He's saying, there's no other way. There's no other way to save yourself. There's no other way to experience eternal life. There's no other way to have joy. There's no other way to be satisfied in life. No other relationships can do it. No other person can do it for you. No other substance. Nothing else can satisfy you. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. That's what Jesus is saying. This invitation is an invitation to salvation. The salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone, and in no one else. We can't earn it. There's nothing we could do to earn a relationship with God. So this, this gospel explanation and invitation is super important. But then we, we have to apply it. We got to have gospel application. So whenever God's word is opened, it demands a response. There's two ways to respond to Jesus' invitation. You can either receive it or you can reject it. You can receive it or you can reject it. There's, there's just two ways. If we reject Jesus, if we reject his invitation, we're rejecting him as Lord. We're rejecting him as Savior. And we're saying, I'll pay for my own sins. I got that, Jesus. I'll take care of that. If we say yes and we receive his invitation, we're receiving forgiveness and eternal life. And we can rest in Christ alone. Just like we just saying that he is our cornerstone. That he is our rock for salvation. The Apostle John talks about a personal response to Jesus when he says in John 1, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So how should we respond to Jesus' invitation? How do you respond? Mark 1.15 says, repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repentance is turning from your sin and rebellion, and it's turning to Jesus. The other day, uh, one of my sons uh, went to use the bathroom, 
I got permission to tell this story, by the way, okay? I asked him, can I, can I share this story? And he said yes. Now understand, he has been potty trained for over two years. So it's not like he's a little baby, and he's not a little toddler, but he's not, all, he's not a big boy yet either. He's you know, in between, right? And so um, you can imagine, to my surprise, when I walk past the bathroom and I see that poop is smeared all over the toilet lid. The toilet lid is down, and there's just poop everywhere. And I was like, um, what in the world happened? Like, how in the world did this happen? And so I went and asked him. Um, he couldn't explain it to me. I don't know if he blacked out or what happened. Um, my only thought was this. Like, he must have had to use the bathroom so bad that he ran in and he put up not only the, the lid but the seat too. And then he proceeded to use the bathroom. Well, while he's using the bathroom, the seat fell and smashed everything. And then he kept using the bathroom, and the lid fell and smashed on top of the seat. And then he kept using the bathroom. And so it's on top of the seat and on top of the lid. And so you have literally a mess everywhere, right? And, and he was done, and he was like, um, I'm going to clean this up, and I'm going to get some toilet paper and smear it across the lid and then walk away, and it's clean. It's all done, right? Guess who got to clean up that mess? Yeah, me, right? Uh, I felt like, like in the moment it wasn't fun, but I was like, this is a really good illustration of our sin and of sin in our lives. I realized that, that I've made even bigger messes than he did with the sin that's in my own life, right? We make poor choices all the time. We end up making a, a really big mess. We don't understand how big of a mess we've actually made in our lives. And I wonder, I wonder what he was thinking. Like, what was going through his mind? Was, was, was it um, constantly on his mind? Was he thinking about it when he walked away? Like, man, I hope nobody finds that. Or did, did he, was he thinking, it's probably eventually going to be uncovered. It's going to be discovered. Was he hoping that it would just kind of go away by itself? Was he too ashamed to talk to anybody about it? Was he embarrassed? Was he filled with impending doom, like he might get in trouble if he, if he talked to somebody about it? Or was he not worried at all? Was he like, dude, everybody does that. Who cares? That's somebody else's problem. I don't need to clean that mess up. But isn't that how we treat sin in our lives? Right? We, we've made a really big mess with sin in our own lives. And then we try to clean it up ourselves. And when we, we walk away thinking everything's fine, but it's really not. Everyone else can see it, and everyone else notices it. It's completely obvious to everyone but ourselves. And, and I'm, my prayer is that God would be gracious and allow us to see the mess in our own life. And to, to feel the shame of it. And then hear his invitation that he has come to clean it up for us. And I explained to my son, I said, I said, you could always come to me for help. For anything. Even this. Right? Like repentance is not trying to clean up your own mess. It, it's turning to Jesus who alone can wash you as white as snow, who can forgive you and who can set you free and give you victory over the power of sin and death in your life. So gospel application is repent and believe. 
Repentance is turning from your sin and rebellion, and it's turning to Jesus. It's believing and trusting in Jesus' perfect life, his sacrificial death, and his glorious and victorious resurrection. If you know that you have never received Jesus Christ, you've never received his invitation, and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, would you repent and believe even today? Even right now. Romans 10 9 through 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. We don't deserve the love of God. We don't deserve the mercy of God or the relationship with Jesus that we are offered right now. We deserve to die for our rebellion, but God shows us grace. Jesus died for my sin. He was gracious towards me. He took my place. Jesus died for your sin. He was gracious towards you. He took your place, and he's showing you grace right now. And all that he asks is that you cry out to him. You turn from your sin. You turn from your mess, and you turn to him, and you cry out to him, and he will save you. Now, if you already have a relationship with Jesus, you might be thinking, well, I've already done that. But remember, like this gospel is central to all of life because it transcends death. Because we didn't love Jesus, we didn't love God fully as we should today, even today, right? We, I didn't love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I didn't treasure him as I should. I didn't saturate my mind with his word as I should have today, right? I, I didn't allow the gospel to, to saturate my heart and my, and my life today like I should have. In reference to this 1 Corinthians 15 passage, one commentator said, all of Scripture points us ultimately to the grace of God in Christ. Jesus' burial confirms that he really did die. His appearances to eyewitnesses confirm that he really truly rose. Thus, we are not building our lives on myth or legend when we look to him for grace, to pardon our sins and empower holy living. The point for believers is this. We need to daily stand firm in the gospel. Saturate your mind in it. Soak your heart in its truth. That Christ died for our sins. Stand firm in that truth. That he was buried. Saturate your mind in that reality. That he raised to life. Soak your heart in that glorious fact that Jesus is alive today. Stand. Saturate. Soak. Swim in the gospel daily. Like nothing's more important than that. That's of first importance. That's what Paul says. Right? Stand firm in his love. Saturate your mind in his mercy. Soak your heart in his grace. And at the end, this is how, how we'll close the, the message. At the end of 1 Corinthians 15, Paul closes with this glorious passage. Close your eyes and just listen to this. This is absolutely awesome. Everybody close their eyes. 1 Corinthians 15, 54 through 57 says this. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O death, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you have any questions about the gospel, if you want to respond to the gospel tonight, if you have questions about church, you have questions about the Bible, we'd love to talk to you. I'd love to pray with you. We have people at the White Tent who would love to pray with you immediately after the service. But right now we're going to pray and we're going to worship this glorious God who is alive because he defeated the power of sin and death. Pray with me. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. 
I praise you and thank you that your word is alive and active. It is alive and active because you breathed it out and you gave it to us and you are the one and only true God. And Jesus, I thank you and praise you for your, your words that we read tonight, the, that our human ears got to hear this glorious truth that you died for us. You took our place. I deserve to die because of my sin and you took my place. And we just confess right now that you alone are Lord, that you are the way, you are the truth, you are the life, that there is no other life, there is no other truth, there is no other way, there is truly no other joy in this world than knowing you. So draw people to yourself now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.